want to, the title of the message that I want to share is a heart, the heart of worship, the heart of worship. So you're not prepared. I know I haven't told you anything, uh, but I know you're ready in season and out of season. So I want you to share from your perspective. Martha has been commissioned in this house as the worship leader. So this ministry, were you blessed in our worship time this morning? Amen. Amen. There's an anointing on this team to lead these people to the throne room of heaven. Amen? So as, as our worship leader, I want us to hear from you this morning. What is worship? Why is, is worship only songs? Is worship kuruka ruka? Is worship uh, what? What is worship? The heart of God for worship. What is it? Hmm? Now you know she hasn't prepared. You're hearing the raw you're hearing the raw definition from the heart of a worshiper. Amen? Okay, let's hear from you. Uh, worship is a lifestyle. Mm. What we do here is part of worship, where we praise and we sing songs, but worship is a lifestyle. It's how we live um, our life, how we live our life, how we are outside these four walls. That is worship. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. There's, there's, something, there's something special that, that happens when we gather for worship. There's something that connects us together, and it's a very integral part. But I, I think that there's times when we, can, when we can get involved in worship on an emotional level, but we forget about the heart of worship. Hmm? When, we, when, we, when we, we get confused sometimes and we think that worship is only what happens here for these 30-40 minutes, but as we've heard from our worship leader, worship is what happens Monday through Saturday, the way that we live our life and what comes out of us. Hmm? So worship goes deeper. Worship goes beyond just these 40 minutes, 30 minutes. Hmm? But it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's what comes out of us. Thank you, Njao. I want to read for you an account. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, and you've, you've, heard, you've heard this song, The Heart of Worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Most of those songs, there's a story behind those songs. Like we love to sing the old hymn, It is well with my soul. It is well it is well with my soul. Do you know when that song was written, the writer had just lost his family at sea. He lost his family to a shipwreck. And from that anguish, from that agony, he wrote these words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, even in those storms, it's well with my soul. Songs like Amazing Grace, songs like Abide With Me, those old songs, and even now this song, The Heart of Worship. And I want to read for you, I printed out the, the story behind that song, and this is, this, is what it's, this is what's behind it. It's not only the classic hymns like Amazing Grace and Abide With Me that have great stories behind the songs and the songwriters. In the late 1990s, Matt Redmond's home church in Watford, England, 
was going going through a spiritually tough time. The worship band's musical creativity was on a high, making new and influential songs for the local church with an impact on church worship nationwide, even worldwide. Yet, recalled Redman, there was a dynamic missing. So the pastor did something pretty brave. The pastor was Mike, and I can't pronounce the last name. He was the co-founder of a 30,000-member church called Soul Survivor. Uh, and and they, there, was, there was momentum. So the congregation, the pastor asked his congregation what they were bringing to God in worship or if they were just consumers soaking up the music. His point was that the band and the church had lost their way in worship. And the only solution was to strip out every diversion and distraction. And that included the entire sound system and the worship team. Initially, Matt remembers unplugging just led to an embarrassing silence. But eventually, the congregation rediscovered their own voices singing unaccompanied, offering up heartfelt prayers and encountering God in a fresh way. By the time they had felt sufficiently ready to reintroduce the musicians and the sound system, the church had found a new perspective on worship that it's all about Jesus and that it demands a response from the heart. Matt Redman's song, The Heart of Worship, simply describes what occurred. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, Jesus. So this, this huge church, 30,000 people. Imagine a church of 30,000 people. Hmm? And the, the, the pastor had sensed our worship has lost its anointing. Our worship, our worship time has become more emotional than, than, than meaningful. So the pastor told his congregation of 30,000, imagine, 30,000 people, even the sound system, we're going to leave it off. The instruments, we're going to take away. The microphones, we're going to remove. And we're just going to, we're just going to worship God, just with our voices. The story tells us that initially it was somehow awkward. It was somehow embarrassing, the silence. But slowly by slowly, people just started reacquainting themselves or re- getting a fresh perspective on what worship really meant. And it was during that time of no instruments, no band, no technology, that they, that they reconnected with the heart of worship. And it's, it was in that season that Matt Redman wrote this song, When the Music Fades. And all is stripped away. And I simply come before you. I bow my knees before you. I lift my hands before you. And Jesus, it's just me and you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Where do we find ourselves this morning? I'm thankful for an anointed worship team. I'm thankful for anointed musicians. Jow, when you're not here, those drums miss you, Buana. Hey, there's, it adds something, huh? Cindio? Yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for that worship. 
But worship goes beyond just the way that it sounds and the harmony and the melody and the rhythm and the beats. Hmm? Worship is in our hearts. Worship is what happens inside of us. Worship is what we do even in the difficult times. I don't know what happened when I received the song list this week. I saw it was written there, Siri Yamachosiang Ahaya Niwewe Unajua. Huh? Somehow that song missed from the song list to the one that we sang this morning. Huh? Unajua yo. Siri Yamachosiahaya Niwewe Wajua. Siriyama chosi haya niwewe wajua. God, it's only you who knows those tears that I cry, those secret prayers that I pray, those burdens that I carry that nobody knows. That's worship, my friends. When we take those things to the Lord, and we say, God, I don't know what to do with these things. It's only you, Lord, that knows these, this weight that I'm carrying. That's worship. Abraham knew worship in a very unique way. Abraham understood worship in a very unique way. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. And I want us to look at worship this morning from a unique perspective. The perspective of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22 and we'll read verses 1 through 19. Okay? Genesis chapter 22. And we'll read verses 1 through 19. When you're there, say, I'm there. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 19. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along on the board. But it says this, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the Mount of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and they split wood for the burnt offering and arose and they went out to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw a place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and do what? And worship. And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took fire in his hand and a knife and two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. For a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And they, when they came to the place that God told them, Abraham built an altar there and placed wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, 
and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And the angel said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes, and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went up and took the ram, and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Meaning Jehovah what? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said in this, to this day, the mount of the Lord it shall be, the, the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. Does that sound familiar? And multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and they went to be together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. This morning I want us to understand five things. I want us to understand five things together if you can put them on the board regarding worship. Five key points regarding worship. Number one, worship is our response to revelation. Worship is our response to revelation from God. Number two, and we'll go through these in detail. Number two, worship requires preparation. It requires preparation. Number three, worship requires dedication. It requires dedication. Number four, worship demands separation. And number five, worship results in adoration. And I want us to notice something before we even get in to the, to, to, to the meat of the message. There's a lot that happens before the encounter of worship. Before the experience of worship. Okay? If you look here, we have five things here, and these are just five of my own observations. Okay? This isn't, this isn't the biblical definition or the biblical order of worship, but this is my observation. But we have five points here. One, two, three, and four happens before our, our worship experience. That happens personally. That happens inside of us. That happens as we're spending time alone with God. But some, so many times, we get to the point of adoration. We get to the point of praise and worship time in, in, on, on Sunday morning. And we feel like that's the only thing that is worth. That's the only thing that's praise. But that's the, that's, the, that's the conclusion. That's the result of everything that happens before adoration. Hmm? Revelation. Preparation, dedication, separation, that all happens before we sing the first song. Okay? 
Let's begin with the first one. Look, we're still in, we're going to say in this chapter of Genesis chapter 22, let's begin by reading again verses 1 and 2. Worship is our reaction to revelation. Let's see how Abraham responded to the revelation of God. 1 and 2 of Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that, Ab- that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land, the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. We've said that worship is the reaction to the revelation of God. What is the thing that God's revealed to you? What's something that God has revealed to you? Maybe something that He's revealed to you about Himself. Maybe, maybe the way that God has revealed His faithfulness. God's revealed His love. Even those times when we felt lonely. Even those times when we felt like we can't go on. Like this is the time where life is no longer worth living. Then God comes through and He, reve- he brings us a friend. He brings us somebody to stand with us. That's revelation from God. That's revelation. We see the way that God cares. We see the way that God knows us in a personal way. He's not far off. But those things, Syria, Machosiah, the ones that nobody else knows, He knows. And He provides. That's revelation. That's where worship starts. Our reaction to that revelation. You saw the way that our sister was crying as she was singing that song of the faithfulness of God. It's not because she was nervous, let me tell you. Hmm? No. Those tears weren't coming from nerves. Those were coming from a reaction to the revelation of her father. Amen? God came to Abraham and He said, Abraham, I want something from you. I want something from you. At the time, Abraham didn't know that it was a test. Abraham didn't know what was in the mind of God. Sometimes when God reveals something, we don't always know what was in, what's in His mind. But He speaks. We serve a God who speaks. He's faithful to reveal His heart to us. He's faithful to reveal His plans. Je- uh, Jeremiah tells us He knows the plans that He has for us. Ephesians, we've, we've spent months studying Ephesians. We know that God has plans. We know that God thinks about us. He, there's something in His heart for you and for me. Hmm? And He reveals His plans. He reveals the desires of His heart. And worship now is our reaction. How do you respond? When God shows you something, when God speaks a word to your heart, how do you respond? Maybe it's something difficult. We talked last week about grace and how sometimes when God requires or something, God demands something. Remember we talked about Mary, that young lady. And the angel came and he said, Mary, don't fear. There's favor on your life. You have grace in you. Here's this young girl, a virgin. God said, the angel comes and he says, you're going to bear a son? hey, <laughs> hey. There's times God asks us to do some funny things. Huh? How do we respond? How we, we see the way that Abraham responded. Take that only son of yours. And we know there's stories behind that, that, that terminology of your only son. Hmm? Take, take your only son, God told him, and go and let him be a sacrifice. Make him a sacrifice. Worship number one is our 
reaction or our response to revelation. Number two, worship requires preparation. Worship requires preparation. And this summarizes actually one through four because there's preparation that has to happen. But even Abraham himself, when he was preparing to get his way up, up that mountain, he had to prepare something. In verse 3 of chapter 22, we read that he rose early in the morning and he saddled the donkey. And he took two of his young men with him. These were the helpers. Uh, he took two of his young men with him and he took Isaac, his son. And he split wood. This is still early in the morning. He split wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and he went to the place that God had told him. There's preparation that, that has to happen inside of us before we get to a time of worship. Before we, before we can get, get that, allow that worship to come from us. Worship, if you study the Hebrew word here, it means, to, it means to be prostrate. To be prostrate is, is the, the, the meaning, the, the Hebrew definition or the Hebrew translation of the word that we use for worship, especially now in the Old Testament, is to be prostrate. Before our hearts can be prostrate before the Lord, laying on our face before the Lord in that deep worship, there has to be a time of preparation. Even, even Abraham, imagine what's running through his mind. What's going through Abraham's mind as he's, as he's trying to process this difficult word that God gave him. Take your only son and go to that place. I'm going to show you where to go, Abraham. He's going to be a sacrifice there. Hey, if it was me, I could have stayed in bed that morning. Huh? But Abraham, it says in verse 3, he rose when? Early in the morning, he had wood to chop. He responded in a, in a good way. Huh? He, he responded in obedience, even in that difficulty. Sometimes it's, 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 it's times of difficulty that drive us to the truest levels of worship. Hmm? It's times that we don't understand what's going on around us. It's those times that we get into a time of worship before the Lord. We don't understand but it drives us there. Preparation was required. When we, before we can come into the presence of God, there, it requires a preparation of our hearts. If something, if something happens between you and your spouse early in the morning, or something happens between you and your children, or somebody cuts you off on the road on your way to church, and you come to church angry as you walk in the doors, and you know things are difficult this morning, and you don't want to be here because of so-and-so, because of what happened, but when you reach those doors, praise God, praise God. Amen? <laughs> our, our attitude changes on the outside, but inside, we're still grumping. Hmm? <laughs> Preparation has to happen. Preparate, because now, now we, we expect and we're still mad at that guy that cut us off. He didn't use his signal and he just turned. We almost, we, he almost caused an accident and we're still mad. But now we come to church and we want to lift our hands. Hey, come on. Is that worship really? Huh? Or That's show. That's show. Worship is preparation of your heart. 
I love, I love when we're worshiping and we're engaged and we're there and we're, we're, there's, there's movement and there's activity and there's motion. But I would rather, if that's not really what's in your heart, I would rather that you kneel before the Lord and get things right with God than to, than to put on some performance for the person that's sitting next to you. We're not here for show. We're not here for show. We're not here to impress the one that's sitting next to you. Huh? Allow true worship to flow in your hearts. Allow true worship to flow from this house. Amen? Preparation. Number three. Number three. Worship requires dedication. Worship requires dedication. Let's read verse number four together. Verse number four says, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. This tells us these guys walked together for three days. These guys walked together for three days. And it was then that he saw the mountain there somewhere. Still, after three days, the mountain was still far off. Hey, Abraham, what's going through his mind? Isaac's here. The two boys that are helping them are here. Abraham's the only one that, that really knows what's about to happen. And for three days they're walking together. Why, why didn't Abraham make the same decision that Jonah made? That instead of going here, I know this is where God is saying, but we've got this three-day journey. You know, there was no road signs in those days like we have here. So he could have just told God, God, I took a wrong turn. I didn't know I was supposed to be on State Street. I ended up on Maple Crest. Sorry. Huh? No, he, ended, he kept on going. That was dedication. And worship requires dedication because we don't always feel like worshiping God. We don't always feel when we're going through those difficult times, we don't always feel like lifting our eyes because where do our eyes go when we're going through something that's difficult? Our eyes go down. Somebody was at our house the other day and, and we were playing. There were so many kids there. We were playing and, and something happened. I don't, I'm not even sure completely what happened with the kids that were playing, but this one, this one child that was there, something happened. And the head went down, and the shoulders went down, and he was walking like this. Huh? He was upset. Something difficult happened. The head went down, the shoulders followed, and he, was, he wasn't even able to walk standing upright. Huh? And that's what happens when we go through something that's difficult. Our head goes down, and we can tell in our body. But, but to, to, to lift our eyes, it takes dedication. That even though I'm walking through what I'm walking through, even though I'm passing through whatever I'm passing through, I'm going to stay dedicated to the path that I'm on. I'm going to stay focused to where that I'm going. I'm not going to veer to the right or to the left. Scripture says I'm not going to be like a reed or like grass shaken in the wind. I'm going where I was heading. Nothing's going to block me. I'm going to worship my God because He's worthy. Even if I don't understand, even if I disagree, even if I feel like I'm being a victim, even if I feel like the world is against me, I'm going to worship my God. He's still faithful. He's still mighty. He still reigns. Worship. Worship is our reaction to revelation. It requires preparation. 
It requires dedication and it demands separation. It demands separation. Let's read verses 5 and 6 together of Genesis 22. Abraham said to his young men, You two young men, you stay here with the donkey. The lad and I, the boy and I, we're going to go up yonder and worship. And we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on, on, his, on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. They came how many? Four. How many went up? Two. There's times, catch me well, there's times when true worship requires separation. True worship, getting a hold of heaven requires separating ourselves from some things. I'll never forget, there was a time that we were worshiping in, in CCI South Bend when Karu was, was there and he was leading worship. And he was just preparing to move into the worship time. And he looked at the congregation and he said, Church, I'm going to leave you now. I'm going somewhere else. My body's still going to be here with you. We're still going to sing together. But me, I'm going to be somewhere else. I love that picture. In his heart, everything that was inside of him, he was worshiping the King of Kings, bowing before the Lord. That's worship. It's, it's no longer, like I said before, it's no longer about the one who's seated next to us. It's about us and God. We separate ourselves. We remove distractions. We remove everything else that's going on around us. And we get alone with heaven. There's been times, even right here in our church, where somebody has been in deep prayer and they're, 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 they're praying, maybe they're closing the, the, the worship time or something like that, and you can, tell, you, can, you can tell as you're watching that person praying, as you're listening to that person praying, that they're not here with us. Hmm? No, their body's here, but they're, they're somewhere else. They're with their God. What do you do? You don't interrupt that. You just let them go. Hmm? Because they're, they're, if, if you try to stop now you're trying, to, you're trying to remove that separation that's been happening. They've already separated themselves from you. They don't care what you're doing. They don't care how nice your hair looks. They don't care if your shoes match. They don't care anything about that. All that they're doing is worshiping their God. And so sometimes we go and we say, hey, can you, can you do this? Hey, we're missing it. Can you add more chairs in the back? I know you're worshiping God, but can you do this after we're up here? No, that's distraction. Huh? But how, and that, that, seems like a, that seems like a silly example, but how many times do we do that as we're worshiping? We're worshiping God, and then we remember, hey, I didn't do that this morning. Or we're worshiping, we're just getting into worship, and then we feel the phone vibrating in our pocket. Huh? How many times have you done that? God, God, is, God is just bringing you into worship, and then the phone rings. I think Satan has our phone numbers. Hmm? To bring those distractions at times. Huh? He knows how to do it. He knows how to bring those distractions. Huh? Worship requires separation. 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 Separating ourselves from distraction. Separating ourselves from thoughts that don't lead us deeper into worship. 
Finally, verse uh, number five. Number five, worship results in adoration. Worship results in adoration. See, all these things, as I said in the beginning, all of these four things from, from reacting to the revelation that God gives us to preparing our hearts, to dedicating ourselves to the path that we're on, to separating ourselves, that's all preparing us for worship. That's all preparing us for that, for that time that we call praise and worship time. If you've, if you've ever been with me in my vehicle, you know I normally don't have my radio on. Huh? I normally don't even put my radio. People, people get bored when they ride with me. Actually, when Wanyuike when, when, when is riding with me, he normally puts r- music on his phone. So we have something to be listening to because my radio stays off. Pole buona. Oh, si yo. Okay, sawa. Uh-huh. Because that's my, that's, I, I, I don't get so much time just to be alone. So normally when, when I'm in my truck, that's my alone time. I don't put the radio, I don't want those distractions. Some of these worship songs, let me tell you, some of these worship songs that are playing on the radio today, you can't even call them worship songs because they're more about me than what they are about God. Amber knows. There's this song that's been, that, that they came out with a couple years ago about something about I lost my phone and I don't know where my keys are and this and this and this. All these things went wrong with me. And they're playing it on Christian radio stations as if it's a worship song. Come on. There's another one that's playing right now that's saying dream small. No! Dream big. We serve a big God who says I'm going to give you an abundance, who says I'm going to give you abundance. But these guys that are singing contemporary praise and worship songs are telling us to dream small. Apana. God's going to give you the desires of your heart. Amen? So get true worship. Get true worship. Let's learn to be true, true, true worshipers. That's what God's seeking. Not seeking people just to sing songs that make them feel good. Not singing songs that just make your body dance. Uh-uh. He's, he's seeking people that will worship Him and worship Him. How? In spirit and in truth. He doesn't want emotional or, 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 or religious rhetoric. He wants true, genuine worship that results in adoration. Let's read verses 13 and 14 together. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram that was caught in a thicket by his horns. Do you not think that Abraham looked all around to see if that ram was there when they got to the top of the mountain? I'm sure that Abraham took his time to look around and see, is there anything here that I can sacrifice instead of my son? There was nothing. When, when God saw the faithfulness of Abraham as that sword, as that, I don't know what he was using, was, was being raised, that's when God put that ram there. He looked and saw behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that place, called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said even to this day. In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Friends, let me tell you, I, and I, 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 I can tell you this on the authority of the Word of God, that if we will make a decision, personal decision, 
It's good that we make a decision corporately. It's good that our worship leader makes the decision. It's good that our worship team members make the decision. But if we personally will make the decision that from this day moving forward, for me, myself, I'm going to worship God in a true way. I'm going to worship God in a genuine way. If we will respond well to the revelation that He brings us, if we'll prepare our hearts in a, in a way that, that we're we're ready now to go into the presence of the king. You know, there's that, there's that way if, if, if Uhuru Kenyatta or if President Trump were, were to tell us on October 12th, I've decided I'm going to be in your presence. I'm going to come and join you for the one year anniversary. I've heard from the State House. I've heard from the White House. I've heard about CCI Fort Wayne. God's been telling me about CCI Fort Wayne. Now I'm going to come and, and be with you. And President Trump comes in and he's with us. Or Uhuru Kenyatta, he comes and he's with us on next Saturday. How would you dress? Is it, is it possible you would forget to brush your teeth that morning? Huh? Three times. <laughs> now... If that's the way that we would, would respond to be in the presence of a man, how much more should we prepare ourselves to be in the presence of the King of Kings? Hmm? But we come to God anyhow. We come to God and our, our, we're not even focused on what we're saying. We come to God and we would, we're, we're thinking about something else that's going on. And this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can we say that we're coming prepared? Hmm? Let's check our hearts. If we prepare, if we dedicate ourselves to walking that path, Abraham walked three days and then it was still afar off. If we dedicate ourselves to walking that path and we, we continue following this example of worship that Abraham teaches us. I, I, I don't know if I would be able to tell those other two boys that I brought with me, boys, you stay here. I'm going to go worship God. And I know it's my son. Hmm? And the, yeah, he also said we're coming back. Uh-huh. Hey. Is that, is that the way that I know worship? And so I looked. When I read that, I thought maybe, maybe God was unique or maybe these English translators, they, they messed up somewhere. Uh-uh. No, he really meant worship. Prostrate. That's really what he said. We're going to go worship God. That's, that was really his heart. Do we worship? Are we worshipers? Do we know the heart of worship? We love number five. We love the adoration. We love the adoration. We love declaring, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, His grace is sufficient for me. We love those, those declarations. But, but what about before? What's your Sunday morning look like? <laughs> what's your Monday through Saturday look like? Are we worshipers? Are we coming to the presence of God with hearts prepared to adore our Creator, to adore the King, to bring a living sacrifice? 
before him. Prostrate, to be prostrate before the Lord. Church, I want you to hear my heart this morning. I don't speak these words by any... This is not a rebuke. I'm I'm not even giving you this because I feel like there's something that we're doing wrong. But I, I, there's, there's always room to grow. Amen? And if what we're experiencing today, if what we're experiencing today can be increased, why not make some changes inside of us? Not, not, not for the sake of the experience, but for the sake of the King. Is He worthy? He's worthy. He's worthy. Mm-hmm. If there's some small things that we can just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal inside of us. Well, even, even when we're in school. Do you know you can even worship in school? When I was young, when I was young, one of my uncles, uh, I, I, he was having some, some problem, some physical problem, and that day he was going to the doctor for some tests. And before I left for school that morning, no. He said, why not? I said, well, I was in school all day and they didn't, have, they didn't give us time to pray. They didn't say, now's the time to pray if you have anything, you know. I went to a public school. They're not going to give you that time in, in this country. Hmm? He said, what do you mean they didn't give you time? He said, don't you know that you can pray wherever you are? Don't you know that even in your heart you can pray? You don't even have to open your lips and you're still praying. That was the first time that thought came in my mind. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I thought I, I had to be told, now it's time to pray, so now we pray together. So, <laughs> if there's something that we, can, that we can grow in, if there's something even during the week, even while we're in school, even while we're in the office, even while we're in the hospital, even while we're wherever you are, you're taking care of the kids. Let's be true worshipers. Let's be true worshipers. So that way we don't come to church Sunday morning to get energized. We come energized to church, huh? ready to worship, prepared to worship, responding to the revelation that He's been giving us all week long. We don't come to church to get pumped up. We come to church to respond to what God's been doing in us and to return the praise back to Him. Amen? Let's be true, true worshipers. Worship team, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. There's an anointing on you guys to lead. I know there's more. Alice, I know there's more. Hmm? There's an anointing on you. But I know it, it doesn't come without a price. You guys labor. Labor. Together. To, to be able to understand each other's hearts. These guys are meeting every Saturday. Every Saturday. And then again, Wednesday evening, when we go home after Bible study, they're here until 10 p.m. practicing. Again, on Saturday afternoons, they're practicing. These guys labor. For a, for a, for a 30, 40 minute slot in the service that we give them. Hmm? But it's more than just a 30, 40, 40 minute slot. They know, they understand what they're doing. They understand that they're, they're taking us into the throne room. They're leading the way. Study the Old Testament. You'll find it was the worshipers that went out even before the army. Hmm? They know what they're doing. 
and they invest, they invest, they invest, they invest in themselves, they invest as the team, they invest in the church. God bless you. God bless you. Church, let us be worshipers. Amen? In spirit and in truth. Not, not just looking for an emotional experience. Not just looking for you know, something that we can do to, to pass time. Uh-uh. Let's be worshipers that, whose hearts are prepared to be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who, 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 people who are dedicated. That if something difficult comes your way, we're not going to veer off the path. We're going to keep on marching. We're going to keep on going. Amen? Let's be worshipers. We're called, as, as believers, we're called for more than just three hours every Sunday morning. This is a life. Ambassadors don't only work three hours a week. Hmm? An ambassador, that's their life. That's their life. Actually, they, they, their, their personal life, they don't even really have one. They're dedicated to that other government that they work for. How dedicated are we? Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Amen. Amen. Let's be worshipers. Let me close in prayer. <clears throat>